Hi, this is Christina Romulus, founder of Politicalm, here to remind you to keep calm. It's just politics. You are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Wendy Sheridan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. Hey, I'm Robin Renee. So let's do a check-in. How are How is everyone doing? I, I'm doing very well. It's sunny out, which makes me happy. I was actually outside this morning for the first time in, I think, two weeks because I had to take my spouse to work because... Their truck is in the shop. So I was actually out before the sun rose and crunching on snow and doing things like that and actually driving a car. So (laughs) I'm already I've already succeeded for the day. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Well, I'm dreading that once we're done recording this, I have to get out and reshovel out my walkway and my driveway and my car. Oh, yep. I've got to do that stuff too. Um, I guess I'm a combo of both of you because I got out early and it feels good. And I I like getting up early and getting some exercise and doing things, um, which was good. And I've got lots of ice to deal with for mm. myself and my neighbor. And it's, uh, it's more, it, you know, I don't, I wouldn't mind doing it if I had the time, but I also have a lot of other things to do. I'm doing some recording and we're working on this right now and it's yeah. it's it's a busy day so but that's okay i'm feeling uh optimistic one thing i really really liked um and i think i posted a picture on my my personal facebook page is right now well it's probably melted off already but we the last snowfall the first snowfall was really windy so there was no snow on the branches and mm-hmm. yesterday's snowfall was very delicate and there was no wind. So the branches are all very laden with snow. I just love how that looks as, as an artist. Cause that's like some kind of thing I want to always capture. And then this morning, because of the way all of the buildings are and how everything's situated, it was like just the top of the trees were golden from the sunrise and everything else was like blue. And that was really aesthetically beautiful this morning. So that, oh, that sounds nice. I made a good mood. Nice. Yeah, you know, the snow near me, and I'm not too far away from you, but the snow near me was not that at all. It was very heavy, and it was on all the bushes and trees and weighed them down. I, I have, like, tall bushes across the front of my house. It weighed them all down and made them bend all the way over, and they cover up the doorway and the walk. And it was like I was being trapped inside my house. So oh. it was kind of scary. And awesome. couldn't get it off. Well, it'll melt. It'll melt probably <laughs> today. <laughs> Let's hope so. Anyway, besides the weather, <laughs> I think we have some. I think we have some other random facts to share. Yes, yes. I, I, a random. My random fact is, is I was actually cleaning my desk this morning, 
and I, I discovered six whiskers underneath piles of paper. So my cats, I guess they shed their whiskers on my desk when they're hiding behind my monitors where they're not supposed to go. So mm-hmm. do they do cats shed whiskers as as much as as hair or how does that not work? as much like but a, they shed less frequent it's uh-huh. definitely less frequent and it's really weird to find them because like they're they're very very thick at the 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 end that's in their cheeks and hmm. then it it's very 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 thin, thin it thins out as it as the length of the whisker goes and <laughs> and you want i wonder now if they get rubbed thin by them rubbing it or if it just grows that way interesting uh... i don't know i mean you know like i've i've adopted outdoor cats at various times but i haven't really lived with well i did live with one cat etta for a while but i'm allergic and it's not good actually (laughs) yeah but yeah i'm learning i'm i'm learning about my cats especially now because i have a cat rando who has a she's she's outdoor cat but she's Got, I keep buying her things, shelters and different stuff. And <laughs> I, I want to get her other things. I don't know what else I want to get her. I want to make, I want her to be comfortable. Grow some catnip. I, yeah, I might do that. Or cat mint. They're two different places. Has she been going in the shelter? Uh-huh. Oh, that's good. Yeah, she's been staying out of the craziness. <laughs> so that's good. Hey, here's another random fact yes. I always wondered about. We've all heard how casinos, at least I have now heard about how casinos are designed to deliberately disorient visitors, causing them to lose track of time and where exactly they are. But did you know that there's a similar strategy behind the design of shopping malls as well? Officially known as the Gruen Transfer, this phenomenon was named after Austrian architect Victor Gruen, who identified how an intentionally confusing layout could lead to consumers spending more time and money in a shopping venue. Uh, he later disavowed this approach, but but you know it makes sense. And you know what? I'm wondering if this also applies to websites, people shopping in no. websites. No, it does not apply to websites. I will tell you that right now. When people can't find what they're looking for, they go somewhere else within less than thirty seconds. Yeah, mm. I agree with that. <laughs> but that's interesting. I never thought that way about a mall. It's a different, it's just a yeah, different concept I, than a casino. I thought why, that I, why I hate malls. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew that this was going on in supermarkets. You know, how they lead you through things that you don't want to uh, look at. And then you suddenly go, oh. Well, yeah, maybe I do need apples. Yeah, maybe I do need this and that. Right, so, right. I guess that's the mm-hmm. same thing. Interesting. One more fact. I just want to declare that Dionne Warwick rules Twitter. <laughs> She's been really <laughs> excellent lately. Yeah, I, I had no idea. And I just started, um, I don't know how I first encountered it, but she's just, you know, I guess maybe she was trending, you know, or something. And she's very funny. She puts out questions like, uh, actually, she asked for random facts the other day. <laughs> and people really tweeted her a lot of random. <laughs> oh, really? Maybe you should harvest them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. It was good. And, and uh, what else? You know, oh, she commented on the Super Bowl halftime show. And 
you know, she said she liked it. Other people were like, one guy was like, what are you, what are you kidding me? And she, and she wrote something like, no, I'm serious. I'll tell you when I'm, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm telling a joke. <laughs> you know, what's your, what's your favorite Dionne Warwick song? You know, there are so many. I really like her, you know, I mean, she, she did a lot of work with Burt Backrack and all that early stuff. I really like a lot. I got to see her at the Bethesda Blues and Jazz Club a number of years ago. And that was really cool. I was really glad to see that. I don't know if I have one favorite, but I, mm-hmm. I've always loved her voice. And, and I like to see her sense of humor and her, she's very like, just honest, you know, like somebody, a lot of people call her auntie mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on, on Twitter. And this one white guy called her that. And someone came back and said, don't you ever say that, get that out of your mouth, blah, blah, blah. And she came back and said that was completely unnecessary he can call me auntie if he wants to and it was interesting it started a, a big conversation about what's what's appropriate and how you can you know address people and what that means in different cultures and stuff and it was it was interesting so yeah she's she's been very cool wow <laughs> i just wanted to let people know that uh, we've got a future coming up. We've got Christina L. Romulus of Politicom. That Politicom is a new organization that she uh, just founded. And uh, Christina is a young elected official from Boynton Beach, Florida. And the organization is dedicated to improving the lives of individuals entering, engaging in, and exiting public life. And I think they're also focusing on getting, helping some people win their elections uh, this year as well. So that's cool. It, it, yeah, it was a good conversation. We talked on Inauguration Day. So and, by public life, you mean uh, like government positions, elected positions? And yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we talked about that and uh, we're going to do a blanket fort segment after that. And it's about ask versus guest culture. So stay that I will, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> And before we move on to the news, we want to give a shout out to our Leftscape listeners. And we've gotten quite a few messages um, and show guest ideas from people lately. And that is really cool. We appreciate it. So thanks very much. And if you're new to the show, hello and welcome aboard. You can catch a new episode of the Leftscape every other Wednesday and subscribe on our website, website, wellleftscape.com. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever your podcasts are listened to. And while you're on our website, sign up for our monthly newsletter, The Leftscape Lookout. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leftscape. Follow us on Twitter at Leftscape and follow us on Instagram at Leftscape. But really, though, please do follow us on Facebook, etc., because we want to hear from you. Follow us and and make comments. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Um, although we don't want to hear negative stuff. <laughs> That'll oh, make us. Yes, we do. Yes, want we feedback. do. We do. But, you know. Constructive. Okay. Constructive let's, criticism. Let's keep, <laughs> constructive is the operative word there. Let us keep the conversation going online. And to support our podcast, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash leftscape, um, where there's all kinds of extra content. We do a segment called We, we Should Be Recording This, uh, which I hope you'll really dig. And you can join us for as little as a dollar a month and more if you got it, because it really helps us do all we 
do here and more. We, we, we want to keep growing. Thanks so much for your support. We really appreciate you. Yes, we do. And now here's all the news we can handle. Well, this this was uh, this is an article um, from Science Advances from the American Association of AAAS, uh, which is a scientific group, um, and they had tested like a dozen 14, or so. 14 different face masks or mask alternatives, and one mask material. They they have like the you know the N95 surgicals, and the, and they also tested a lot of the the cotton ones that people are making and and also bandanas and gaiters or the you know the one layer that you pull up from your neck. I guess looks, those are looks like a collar. Yeah, it looks like a yeah like a like a turtleneck. Like yeah. you're just like you know stuck over your nose. Right. And the long and short of it is that the bandanas and the gaiters don't fucking do shit. I mean, they're almost as bad as not wearing anything. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> just makes you look like you have something on yeah. to get in the store, right? But it doesn't yeah. really do. Yeah, the droplet transmission through the face masks was uh, not. I mean, the graph shows like the surgical mask is the best thing. And the next one up was, I think, a double layer or possibly a triple layer. I have heard that they're starting to recommend especially because of some of the new variants and things that are going around that are more contagious that that double masking is is a good idea if you can yeah um i haven't done that yet but i do have masks that can take a filter you know that i've been mm -hmm. trying to be more conscientious about that well those so. are those are you know, the kind i had been making all of last year and and only recently have i converted from to, to something curved so it doesn't put pressure on your nose when you're wearing it those have you know a filter pocket and you could stick you know a regular n95 surgical mask inside of there because it'll fit it's the right size for that and and that you have your double mask that way i you know my solution is i just don't ever see anyone or go anywhere so <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to do it it's hard you know I, it's i've been a little close closer to that this winter and i am looking forward to at least being able to be outside more in a month or something even though i'm not you know seeing people but you know just being out in the world a little bit feels healthier to me it's been hard these few months yeah, you know this year it's been a year it's been a year it's been Crazy. a year <laughs> it's like think about it it's been a fucking year uh, you know, this we're February now. I think this is like, yeah, Mary might be able to remember the actual date, but I remember our last tabletop game session at my house with everybody here was early February. Mm -hmm. And I was a little nervous about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a year. <laughs> I know it's felt like longer, but it's been yeah. a year. Well, also you know, the other thing too, though, is, is, it doesn't feel as bad as it would have because we have the internet. I, I just have to say we're blessed. <laughs> I, yeah, I have discovered things that ways of connecting and ways to do things that I wouldn't have otherwise. So that's a thing. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I would like wish for this to happen in this, in this particular way to learn those things. But I mean, that is, that is something that has happened. <laughs> But yeah, so 
keep wearing learn your masks. What, learn what masks are better and wear the better ones. And, and keep wear social them. distancing because I really, you know, I would like to actually do things that are in a public space at some point before, you know, I die. So. Yes, please. Let's, yeah, bring back music and dancing and conventions and craft fairs and <laughs> you know <laughs> the other stuff exactly well anyway i i have another bit of news i wanted to share okay Ooh, that? and this was sent to me by cynthia connor so i just want to give a shout out and thanks for this um if you're in pennsylvania and if you voted by mail in 2020 and even if you didn't but you want to this year you must sign up to vote by mail there's a primary that's coming up on May 18th, which is also Mark Mothersbaugh's, Mark Mothersbaugh's birthday, which is <laughs> not interesting unless you're a Devo fan. <laughs> and, um, but, but anyway, they, you know, they do have an election coming up and it's just a little bit sneaky because like for at least for us in New Jersey, like you can, if you signed up to do a mail-in ballot, then that's automatic now and we'll just get them. Mm -hmm. But apparently that is not the case in Pennsylvania. So your deadline to sign up in order to vote in the primary by mail is May 11th. And that's just, you know, I know, you know, some of our listeners are in Pennsylvania, lots of you are other places, but I think that's just a good reminder to look up your state's laws and and local laws about that and make sure you know what you need to do to be ready to vote the next time it's time to vote yeah and speaking of things that happened a year ago we are now going to be having another impeachment trial (laughs) starts today i thought it started tomorrow it starts tuesday and it, this it's oh. yesterday, as according yeah. to the people who are listening to this <laughs> on Wednesday. All right. We record this on Mondays, and now oh. my sense of time is completely... It will, have, it will have happened in the future past. So. Right. I think, it's, I think that on Monday, they are doing some presentations, some preliminary things, and then it, it starts in earnest on the, the 9th. Yes. Tuesday the 9th. And I, I, okay, are we going to be, I know, I, I know last year I was very energized about the whole thing and I was, I had it on the whole time and I was listening to it and, and it was just, and I was listening to it and a lot of it was just awful because it was all people arguing over procedures for like the first four hours. I kind of remember that. And I was like, do I want to watch it again? I don't know. Are you guys going to be watching it? I'm still on the fence. I don't, I'm not interested. I know that like in, when they did it in the house last time, I was very intrigued because it felt, it felt like some kind of vindication to watch him get impeached. I remember watching the vote and it feeling like meaningful to me somehow, you know, I think it was important to do this time. I don't know that I'll watch it. I don't know. But I guess the question I have is what, what will it do? What will it, will it bring some type of accountability or reconciliation? Because I mean, the, 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 the Senate is not going to convict him. So well, are we'll, you sure uh, the Senate isn't going to convict him again? You know, I would love it if they did. I don't they know. They really need to. I know they, they need to. I mean, I, I I thought McConnell was like trying to, I mean, from the, he flips back and forth from the punditry stuff I've been reading in the newspapers. 
Hmm. I get the impression that McConnell wants to purge the Trump faction from the Republican Party. Well, it, it's, it's it's like Heather Cox Richardson's take on things. She has the Republican Party into two factions. There's the business Republicans, you know, personified by Mitch McConnell. And then there's hmm. the Trump Republicans or whatever you want to call them that are, you know, the the other people. And McConnell, because a bunch of companies said, well, we're not going to fund any candidates that were involved in the insurrection. And they also just turned off their their money spigots to Republicans in general for now, just to say, well, we're not going to support anybody right now. And and McConnell kind of once it hit his pocketbook, he realized like, oh, shit, we can't just keep doing business as usual. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, you know, I mean, the people I've been listening to think that it's not, they don't have enough votes, but if, you know, maybe something will change, I, I, will, I will hold out hope for that. But I think what I was thinking in terms of mostly is, is this an opportunity to bring to light some of the things that really happened at the Capitol and the, the, and what led up to it that could at least start to start to give a real picture of truth, you know? Um, yeah. Well, because I feel like that's important. They're going to spend most of the first couple of days, if, if not the week, just talking about whether it's constitutional or not to impeach a, a uh, former president. Uh, anyway, you know, I, I, I want to point out that it's that this is something else somebody I read over the weekend is that they need 17 Republicans if 100 senators are there for the vote. There is mm. no requirement that all 100 senators be there for the vote. So if there's fewer than it's less votes they need? Yes, it's two thirds of whoever shows up. Yeah, that's good. So I can see I can see a scenario playing out where senators who don't want to go on record as opposing Trump just not showing up. Yeah, Mm, that would be good. Because then because then they can't get dinged for voting against him. Right. Right. But but they can impeach him if enough people don't show up. That would be good. That would be good. Yeah. Whatever makes people start to reconcile like the reality of what has happened. And I know a lot of people, some of the QAnon people are starting to wake up to, they were just living in some kind of bizarro world, you know? Some of them. Some of them. I, you know, I don't know how many, maybe clearly not enough if they're still out there, you know? (laughs) But I mean, you know, people talk about how in, and, and, you know, I know you can't, equate trump to hitler or whatever but sure you can okay yeah well you know i i, I think we were approaching a, a, something very scary and totalitarian and um yeah fascist honestly you know and people where in places where that's happened where they really or where there was a genocide where we really get to the bottom of the truth of what happened and and look at it it makes for better culture moving forward you know and 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 we in a lot of ways haven't really reconciled the civil war in the united states and 
Oh yeah. I mean, this is this. Yes. I mean, gestures at everything. So. Right. 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 <laughs> yes. And it's still. So this is an extension of that in a lot of ways, and it's just needs to be seen and talked about and dealt with. And you know, if if this could be a small step to that, it's better than. Yeah. I I not. I just really I don't want him to be a threat to us in the same way ever again. Right. And convicting him will do that. And what what is scary is that there's going to be another Trump coming along the pike and he's going to be somebody who's smarter. Mm. You know, well, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, we need we need Merrick Garland. I don't know if he got appointed, you know, got confirmed to be uh, attorney general. Mm. I think that's happening this week because I know I know McConnell wasn't putting him on the schedule. But now that Schumer's in charge of the Senate, he's on the schedule. Mm -hmm. And I've heard people bandying about the RICO Act Mm. over the January 6th insurrection. So that will get the the people up at the top and not just, you know, the grand poobah from the Flintstones who was like running around with that buffalo head thing oh that guy mm. i had to think for a second what you were talking yeah, about yeah i know yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the racket the racketeer influenced and corruptions organizations act is that the rico yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay and what does that do exactly it, i they use it it's it's the thing that that they you know they talk about it in in for example um a lot of tv mob. shows mob yeah but it's how they got all the mob bosses okay because, you know, they're not the ones that are pulling the triggers, but they're giving the orders. And Rico lets you go up the the organizational chart to get the people at the top. I see. Because it's, it has to do with conspiracy, you know, and and that kind of thing. And, right. And the people at the top aren't necessarily the ones doing the actual thing. Like, he right. was not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah, uh, but, but they ordered somebody else to. Right. right so, right. you know, that... Between that and the and the two multi-billion dollar lawsuits brought from the voting systems people onto the news organizations, that has that has done a lot to oh uh, yeah to curtail a lot of the disinformation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was very happy to hear about that. And they fired Lou Dobbs. Good. <laughs> I I don't um, know. I think I think we're at the point where I, I've had I've had all the news I can handle for today. Uh, okay, <laughs> that's all the news I can handle too. This podcast is sponsored by Teaching Your Relatives How to Find the Gallery View button. It's in the top right corner. Where see where it says Gallery View? Well, what do you see? That's the left corner. Yes, yes, see, yes, where it says gallery view, click it. Yes, 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 that is better. Yes, that's that's why I wanted to show. On sale now, wherever relatives gather on Zoom. And now, back to our podcast. Well, I am here with Christina Romulus, who is the founder of Politicom, a new organization dedicated to improving the lives of individuals entering, engaging in, and exiting public life. She was elected to public office to the Boynton Beach uh, City Commission in Florida at the age of 27 in 2016. 
And through her years of public service, she strived to be a voice for those not normally represented in government. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about her journey and her organization and to sharing this conversation with our audience on the Leftscape. So welcome, Christina. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to talk with you. So I definitely want to hear more about Politicom, but first I would love to hear your reflections on today. Um, we are recording on January 20th, which is Inauguration Day. Do you have any thoughts on President Biden and Vice President Harris and how it went today? you know, given the, all the unrest that's been happening and, you know, what are your thoughts? Oh my gosh. I mean, that's a beautiful leading question. And I think it's very fitting for, uh, for, for Politicom for exactly what, uh, this company was created to be here for, um, today has just been very reassuring for me. And I hope that maybe that word probably resonates with a lot of other people who are listening, not only here in America, but abroad as well. I think a lot of people are having that same feeling of just reassurance of a return to normalcy, or at least as close to that as we can get, uh, a feeling of just calm and and just kind of bringing some of that calm in, into the midst of all the chaos that's been happening. Uh, those are the feelings that I've been having. And, uh, you know, and, and again, today actually is the official launch of Politicom as well. And I intentionally uh, selected today to be our launch day because I, I wanted to really bring all of those messages uh, to to, to a point that we are here to keep calm and remind everybody it's it's just politics. We're here to bring calm in the midst of the chaos, uh, and we're here to support individuals who work in the government space. Awesome. Well, congratulations on your launch too. That's, that's you. a lot to do, I'm sure, on a, on a certain day. You know, so it, it will. It's a beautiful day so far. <laughs> that's so great. So. Would you share a little bit about you? Like, what is your background in terms of politics and what was your impetus to run for office? Sure. Uh, so I grew up in, in South Florida. I have my, I went to University of Miami for undergrad and, and really my calling, or at, at least at the time I thought, was to become a doctor. That's the direction, that's the track that my life was going on. I was going to be a doctor. And um, once I finished up with graduate school and I had my first son, I quickly realized I didn't want to be in school for another eight to 10 years and, uh, you know, possibly raising my son and having him not call me mom because he doesn't see me around enough. Uh, so I, I kind of changed course a little bit and went into just uh, really teaching. I, I taught at the college level at, uh, for six years and thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, but in the process of doing that, of course, I just kept serving my community. I was, you know, very active. I was an advocate. I was always trying to make sure that um, our communities were represented, especially when it comes to government. Uh, and so I, I was doing a lot of that and quickly it kind of just gravitated from, well, you know, we see you all the time. We see your face. You're always doing things in the community. You should be sitting up there. You should be in charge. And, uh, you know, quickly I was like, oh, no, 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 not me, you know. And uh, I, I think especially a lot of women probably can relate to this where, you know, when we're called to kind of lead or to be at the forefront of, of the movement, we're, we're usually, you know, humble and we kind of, you know, shyly kind of say, oh, no, not me. Uh, but I, I hope and pray that today and with the inauguration of uh, President Kamala Harris, that that will help a lot more women uh, step up into rightfully so into positions of leadership, because we need those voices. We need um 
those life experiences represented at the table. So that's kind of how I got into politics. Uh, I didn't ask for it. It kind of came to me. And, um, you know, like I said, I was 27. I was inexperienced, very green to politics. It really was not planned for me to run, which is also why I actually was pregnant with my second son in the process of running for office. But, you know, I had a lot of great people who supported me, who who coached me, who who really held my hand and guided me through the process and um, allowed me to really just shine and, and be successful. And so here we are five years later, I've been in office. Um, I've been a community servant for, for going on a decade now. And it's really just uh, a, an opportunity for me to give back to my community, to all those people who supported me and believed in me way before I believed in myself. It's been my way of giving back and uh, I'll probably be doing it for the rest of my life in some way, shape or form. Nice. Now, what is your current office? I am a uh, city commissioner. So okay. So different areas call it, the, you know, call it different things. Uh, councilwoman, um, um, it, it all, all of them mean the same thing. It just simply means that you are a municipal uh, leader uh, guiding your city or your, you know, town or whatever parish, you know, they, they call them different things, but they're all, they all really mean the same thing. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're launching a big uh, new organization today, Politicom. What, what is it? How does it work? Perfect. Thanks for asking. Um, So Politicom, our mission statement is to improve the lives of individuals uh, entering, engaging in, or exiting civic life. And really all that simply means is anybody in government, whether you are somebody who is getting introduced to government, you want to learn how to run for office, or you just want to learn how to better interact with your community and be a better community advocate, or you're currently elected or you are an appointed official or you are somebody who is in uh, some type of uh, employed position within government, um, fire, police, uh, you know, whatever department, wherever you may be, as long as you're in government, uh, you're somebody who's engaging in government. And then for the people who are currently exiting, right, you're retiring out or maybe you're terming out of office uh, or perhaps you're just transitioning from public life to private life. Uh, Politicom is designed for you to support you to uh, be a resource. So we are the only uh, company that exists to coach and to provide mental health uh, support resources for individuals in the government space. And Politicom really came about really, if you look at the last four years of just what's been happening in this country, not only in this country, but in the world where um, democracy uh, has been under attack, people who are in the government space are getting threatened, uh, their families' lives are at stake. Uh, There's so much um, more that comes with the job nowadays than just being a a government official or an elected official. And so Politicom really came from that space of asking the question, who's there to help the people whose job it is to help everybody else? And when I really just dove deep into that question, that's how Politicom came to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some of the um, some of the emotional issues? I'm I'm curious about like I, I haven't heard anyone talk about helping someone exit political life, you know. So I'm curious about like entering and exiting. What are are there like particular psychological things that people need to be aware of or sort of deal with in that experience? Sure. So you know, entering civic life, entering the government space, uh, you know, uh, I, I would say a lot of people kind of come in very, like, like I was very green. Um, they 
don't know what they don't know. They know that they're passionate about serving their community. They want to make a change. They want to leave a lasting impact. Uh, and so they come in with that mindset, uh, but really not really knowing what they've truly signed up for. And for anybody who knows just watching CNN or Fox or MSNBC, any of these news shows, you can just tell that the political world is a very grueling and toxic world, right? Uh, especially if that's what you've chosen as a profession, that's what you do day in, day out, you, you don't get a break from it. It can really be a, a taxing um, profession to be a part of. And in terms of exiting civic life, um, you know, this is probably, again, for people who are retiring out or individuals who've gotten elected and who are now transitioning out of office. Um, there, That's a big, you know, jump to make when you're kind of, you've been in this position, you've been in this position of power for, for however long it is that you've been elected or you've been in these positions of leadership. And now you have to go back to being a civilian. You have to transition out of this career what comes next? How do you make the best out of that? How do you go from being in the spotlight and in the limelight 24 seven to now going back to just being a, a regular member of society? Uh, so, so sometimes that kind of, you know, can, can people just kind of get into that space where how do I, how, what do I do now? What do I do with my life now? And so we're here to, you know, just support them and kind of guide them and, and make sure that it is a, a very easy and seamless transition and, they can continue to make an impact regardless of their title or their position of, of power or leadership. Nice. So you've got a huge goal for this year. I, I was reading you want to uh, help a thousand candidates reach their goal of winning their elections in 2021. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Right. And the way we, and the way we, we plan on doing that, um, I created uh, a course, a masterclass. Uh, it's a six-part series that basically teaches you from beginning to end everything you need to know to run for political office. Uh, and I, I call this course the future method. So right now the, the website is live, the course is, is, is you know, taking registrations. So go to the website, uh, politicalm.com, and you can register ASAP. And this this class is already filling up quickly. So we know that uh, we're going to have to push registration into uh, the next uh, available uh, class. Uh, but really, this this the goal of this class is to give you the perspective of running for office from somebody who's done it. Uh, personally, I've, I've ran my own campaigns uh, twice now, and I've ran several other uh, dozens, dozens of campaigns of individuals from the municipal level uh, to the uh, Congress level personally. So the experience that I bring to the table, you're going to get all of that. And you also get it from the perception of somebody who's in government, has gone through it, has lived it, and kind of tell you the, the landmines to avoid as you go through the process. So it, it's a it's, it's a lofty goal, definitely, uh, but we are really on a mission to make sure that more people are able to have a voice in their communities and not just be on the outside looking in, but be a part of that systemic change that so many people are looking for. That's what, uh, that's what I'm striving to do, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this journey of getting people into a place where they can say, I'm part of that decision-making process. I have a seat at the table rather than, uh, you know, giving that power or yielding it to somebody else. Right, right. Yeah. What are uh, one of the one or two of the sort of little tidbits that you tell people to be prepared for or to get ready for when running? 
Oh, that, oh look at you. You're, you're kind of getting me to spill some of the secrets, huh? Uh, you know, a little. That's a hint. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's let's do it. So uh, basically, the, the future method is the name of the course. It is each letter of future stands for something. And um, F is for fundraising. So a lot of people usually get really scared, really intimidated when they hear fundraising. And that's usually probably the biggest deterrent to anybody running for political office. They're like, I, I don't know how to raise money. I don't want to ask people for money. So therefore, I'm not going to do it. And so one of the biggest things that I help teach you is getting over that fear of fundraising and learning how to turn it into a game. And once you do that, you can be the strongest political candidate out there, because if you're somebody who can raise money without any fear, other people fear you now. And so that's one of the tips that you'll learn, one of the tr you know trade secrets that you'll learn uh, in terms of how to really successfully run your campaign. Uh, from there, we talk about how to build trust. We talk about understanding yourself, building trust and rapport, understanding your community, how to recruit help, getting volunteers, getting staff uh, people on your campaign. And lastly, we talk about election day, all the things that you need to do, you know, from beginning to end uh, to be prepared for that day. So that's what the future method is. It is, uh, you know, a, in, in my opinion, it's it's a pretty sound, very clear and cut uh, process to follow to get you from I don't know what I'm doing to elected. Nice. That is a really good synopsis. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So your slogan is keep calm. It's just politics. And I suspect that while you, you really want to encourage people to come into that forum, you know, um, of public office, but I, I suspect that you also take politics really seriously. So I, I'm wondering what you, why you chose that slogan, how that resonates for you. Yeah. Well, the name of the company is Politicalm. And literally, if you break down the word, it's just political and adding M to the end. Uh, mm -hmm. And once I kind of came up with that name and, and really emphasized on the calm part, it, it's like an oxymoron, right? You know, you don't necessarily always hear political and calm put into the same sentence. Uh, but that's really what I'm striving for. I'm striving to remind individual individuals who um, are choosing to enter into this line of work or those who are already in this line of work to just remember that at the end of the day, it is just politics, right? Like life still goes on, um, you know, things are still going to happen in your control or out of your control and you have to keep calm, right? And you have to remember that it's just politics at the end of the day. And, and, and if you learn to play the game, if you learn to keep an even keel, you can be successful. You can bring that change and affect that change that you want to in your community, whether it's at the city municipal level or on the federal, you know, Congress, Senate or U.S. president, presidential level. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a reminder the the our motto is a reminder to everybody who is in this line of work that, you know, just breathe. Right. We, we'll get you through it. Uh, we're here to support you. We have your back. Um, but at the same time, we will equip you and we will give you all the all the tools to succeed and be the best um, you know, person in this space that you can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that we, you know, in general, we can turn down the temperature on our politics? You know, um, I guess sometimes there's this dichotomy and I don't know if it's a false dichotomy or not, but, you know, when is it time to fight and when is it time to be conciliatory? I feel like there's a tension between those things, uh, especially now we're kind of looking at a new 
presidential, you know, a new leader? What, how, do, how do we get to a new place? And when do you know how to sort of approach politics? Yeah. Well, if I understand your question properly, I mean, that it, it all depends on the situation and it all depends on uh, where you are on your journey uh, within politics and, and the time, right? Uh, I would say these last four years have just been, everybody's been on high alert. Everybody's been on that, you know, just ready for that button to be pressed because everybody was just on such high alert. Um, and, and I hope that this administration will kind of turn down the dial and allow for people to have a little bit of, of peace of mind and have a little bit of security uh, knowing that there's a leader in, in the White House, uh, there's an administration that, um, you know, isn't all about uh, themselves, isn't all about perception or, or, or what people think, but they're about telling the truth. Um, and so, you know, for, for individuals who are in this line of work, honesty, uh, telling the truth, you know, in, in my opinion, is paramount. And so you know, to, to kind of answer the question in terms of where does the dichotomy happen, it's always about, at the end of the day, just bringing it down to the truth, being honest. And if that truth, whether it sets things on fire or it douses them, right, whether it douses the flame, that should always be the direction that anybody is heading in. And that's the beauty of what we do in terms of our coaches who support uh, the clients that we have, our coaches are tried and true um, elected officials or tried and true um, government officials who've been there, who've done that, who've you know walked through the fl- the, the flames and and endured. They're 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 tried and tested, right? They've they've endured the difficulties that you now uh, will be or currently are dealing with, and so they will you know guide you through the process and, and help you keep calm. Right. Uh, so it, it is, it is definitely, in my opinion, just something that we all need. Everybody needs somebody in their corner, somebody who will have their back unconditionally, no matter how difficult the terrain may seem. Uh, and, and Politicom strives to do that, be your, your right hand, be your support system, be your guide. Even when you feel alone and there's nobody else to, that understands what you're going through, you'll have somebody to kind of call on and say, hey, <laughs> help, help, help me out. Right, right. And just be real and you're on the right path, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's an opportunity to be yourself, to be authentic, even in this world you know, of politics where sometimes it's rewarded to be fake or to be inauthentic. We've seen that over the last four years where it was almost you know, a point of pride to lie to the American people as much as you can. And uh, that's not the politics that I signed up for. And I'm pretty sure that's not the politics that many others who are in um, the government or in the civic world signed up for. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see a change in that with this new administration. And even if we don't, Politicom at least is on the mission to change that as well, to create or promote leaders that are authentic, that are genuine, and that can really just bring their best selves to the job and to the constituents that they serve. Mm-hmm. So how can folks who are interested in running for office or getting involved with Politicom in general get in touch? What what should people do? Yes. So if you're somebody who is seeking to run for elected office, definitely uh, j- jump on Politicom.com and register for the Future Method uh, Masterclass. 
that's happening right now. And like I said, spots are filling up quickly. So get on there ASAP. And if you are a government official, you're somebody who's already elected or you're somebody who is in government um, as an employee or a member of staff, um, check us out as well. We have resources for you. We have coaches that are ready to be matched with you to guide you and support you through the process. And um, later on in May, as we launch the second division of the company in May, in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, we will be launching our mental health division. So this is where at that point you'll be able to be um, have access to a mental health professional that you can talk, text, video call, uh, chat with anytime you need it. You're going through a crisis. The capital is under siege, God forbid, for whatever reason. No. Yeah, <laughs> you, you have a mental health professional that you can reach out to that is that is there to support you and, and, and again, you know, take you through the chaos sometimes that politics can be. Thank you so much. This is, I think you're doing really interesting work. It's, you sound really inspired. It's, uh, it's nice to see. And uh, I really appreciate talking with you. Same here. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure being here on the Leftscape. I look forward to coming back anytime you want to have me. Um, and, and I hope I'll get an invite for when we uh, launch the second portion of the company in, in May for Mental Health Awareness Month. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Hi, this is Rachel Green, the sexy slutty comedian, and you are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hello, and welcome to The Blanket Fort, where we talk about what do we talk about? Self-care and and uh, emotional stuff. I feeling yeah. emotional stuff. Thank you. Self-care, all that, all that good shit. Yes. <laughs> and, and today's episode is going to be about ask culture and guest culture, and the differences between them, and how it plays in dynamics in any relationship. Can you explain and, that? Yes, I am going to explain that. Okay. Um, and this is something. This is something that's been around for a while. Um, I think people started talking about it in like around 2007, and there were a bunch of articles like around 10 years ago or so. But I didn't really become aware of it until fairly recently, or it sat in the back of my head. Anyway, I'm going to start with with guest culture, and guest culture is. I'm going to use an example for this to help illustrate it. Let us say there is a house and there's a sink full of dishes. And someone who has who likes to be in guest culture is going to say, there's a sink full of dishes to somebody else in the house. And the other person in the house has to guess over whether that was a request to do the dishes or just a statement of fact. And if it's if it's just a guest culture house, the other person may or may not react to that. And then there's going to be an argument later when the person who said, you know, there's a sink full of dishes. Why haven't you done them yet? Well, this sounds you know, very familiar. <laughs> and ask culture is instead of just saying there's a sink full of dishes, there's they would say, 
hey, uh, could you do the dishes? The sink is full. So those are the two differences. And I think, I think for my, myself, I was probably raised in guest culture to some degree. And when there is, um, and when you have somebody in guest culture and somebody in ask culture and you're, you're there in a relationship together, there's a lot of potential for conflict. And my, my premise is that ask culture is a more desirable mode to be in because you're not putting the emotional labor on the other person, the, the emotional labor of them having to think about, okay, does this fact indicate that there's something that I need to do? So you're not just making an assumption right. that they're going to understand what you mean by saying, oh, there's dishes in the sink. Yes. Otherwise, that's somebody, the, the person hearing that has to do all of this extra labor to understand that this was a request for them to do the dishes. Yeah. Right. And the person's making the statement is avoiding speaking the actual truth of what they mean to say. So wait a second. So what is not being (laughs) stated here is that you're not, you're saying, can you do the dishes? But what you haven't said is you dirtied the dishes and left them in the sink. Why did you do that? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Is that the situation? That could not, that's not necessarily the case. Well, I mean, it could be like the, if someone could interpret the ask as an accusation, that's how the argument happened in my house. <laughs> well, okay. I didn't dirty the dishes. Who dirtied the dishes? Well, then that sounds to me like, well, okay, let me back up. <laughs> I have a question. So when you say guest culture, I think part of it is also, a, you did say that it's also, Mary, assuming assumptive culture, yeah. because you're, a lot of times this comes up when someone is hurting and they express like, I'm not feeling well, or I'm I'm upset about this breakup or something like that. And a lot of people assume that that means they want someone to fix it. Right. Or that's to give the, them advice. That's you know? the, that's like the corollary. And that was the, the tweet that we posted on, on our Facebook page was uh, somebody asking the person, if someone is, needs to vent, they ask at the beginning, is this, do you want a solution or do you want me to just listen to you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that also is another way to, to it, it's, it's communication. It's, it's being more precise and accurate with, with uh, your words, determining the needs of the people in the conversation. Right. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's, and I guess, the person speaking, if they have a problem, it would be good if they could remember to say at the beginning before they start, like, I just want you to listen to me. I don't need you to solve this. Or, but if you, if they don't do that, if you, as the listener ask them, is this, is this a problem that you want help solving or do you just need to vent that it would also derail any potential uh, arguments? Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're just venting, you don't really want to hear advice, and that can also get people angry and and stuff. And it, because I, I know a lot of people are, you know, when when you hear and and I and this was uh something that people were saying is on gender lines, like men want to solve problems, 
you know, and women are just listening, you know, but I don't think that's universal. No, I don't think that's universal either, but it's, um, it's a very broad brush. Yeah. Know, yeah. 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 Well, it's the, the it. men are Venus and men are Mars. Uh, and so what is that? Mercury, Mercury, <laughs> something else. <laughs> I I picked Mercury because I think their 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 planetary symbol is is kind of a combination, right? <laughs> but not really. But yeah, it's it, it's it's good to to clarify early on in these kind of conversations, like if if it's they're looking for problems, help problem solving, or if they just need, you know, a shoulder mm -hmm. or a, a, a sounding board mm -hmm. kind of thing. And if it's for something to be done, like if you're asking, like at the beginning, asking someone to do something, is that, I mean, that feels like a natural thing to me, but I feel like if, you know, what you said, Mary, is that someone would take that as an accusation. It feels to me like then the step would be to negotiate your tasks in a way that just, it's just understood like, hey, let's get can we each do this bit or do this part? And it's not about do this because something negative. It's not, you know what I mean? It would be, it would diffuse that in a way. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm well, that, right? I guess my example was very specific because it was related <laughs> to the dishes in the sink. That's all. <laughs> so it wasn't a general thing. I was, I was reacting to the, the specific example. <laughs> mm -hmm. Makes sense. Well, that's also yeah. It also presupposes that there that you've already worked out like who is responsible for certain household tasks. That's always for me. For us, that's always an ongoing negotiation. And I had realized after reading reading about asking guest culture that I definitely was a guest culture person. And I kind of felt bad about it because I'm also I'm also the first to point out when somebody is making me do extra emotional labor, and, and that's somebody being my my husband. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I realize I you know I I recognize like oh maybe I shouldn't be doing this <laughs> so much. So I have been making an extra effort when. I have a need that I would like him to meet that I will ask him about it instead of just making a statement, you know, like there's dishes in the sink. Mm -hmm. I think that ongoing conversation is really useful. I've seen, you know, couples and, and triads and other partnerships that I, I sort of observe do that very well. Like say, you know, I like it could be about anything that needs, especially needs to be done in a household or something like I really feel tired today. Would you mind if I don't do this today and we could do it tomorrow? Or would you take care of this and, I, and maybe we could do it another way? So it's, a, it's like a it's negotiating. It's a culture of conversation, yeah. which I think is really cool. Yeah. Ideally. I have a question about, see, I, I see this a lot on Facebook and other social media, which I think is. I think it's a very, it's a positive step into the world that you're talking about where people will say, you know, exactly what you said. Like, I'm dealing with this thing. I want to put it out there. Please, no advice, you know, and yeah. it might be a medical thing that's happening that they just want to talk about and let people know what's happening. Or it could be, you know, a big emotional blow up or something that happened and they just want to put it out there and just say, this is the thing that I'm going through. 
And I think that's really cool. And then there's also... But you get advice anyway. I've seen that happen too. <laughs> but, but mostly people are good. I think most... Or some people will say, I, I do see people saying, I know you didn't want advice, but. but. <laughs> <laughs> and but just, have you tried yoga? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. You know, but also I see people who, who post things like, I'm really sad today. Send me pictures. Send me pictures of puppies, please. Or something like that. <laughs> I see those too. And I feel, I, I feel like. I feel bad saying this, but I'm going to say I'd like there's a certain amount of that, which I think is kind of really cool because it's people really learning to ask for what they want and being specific about it. And I think that's that's great. And then I also wonder, is it is there a point where it becomes manipulative, do you think? Or is it always good? I guess it depends on what they're asking for. You know, yeah, posting a, posting a puppy picture isn't like. It's a very low bar to satisfy. Right. Especially if, if you have a puppy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's true. You're posting puppy pictures anyway. But, right. but I, I do think that there might be an element of manipulation there. You know, like people people are saying this, but what they really want is for you to ask, oh, what's wrong? Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. I was well, thinking more like, like a guess, that's a guest culture. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I guess maybe it has to do with how often it it happens or what. I don't know. There's some sometimes yeah. I feel a little bit off put by those requests, maybe because it's, it became so prevalent or I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm reacting to in it or if it's about particular. The particular way it happens in some cases or something, but I think it's generally I think it's cool, you know, but I just I wonder about it sometimes, yeah. too, I guess. Yeah, I but say. you know what? It It is how often it happens too, really. If you have one person who does that a lot, after a while, you've got to wonder about it. Hmm. Hmm. Like I yeah. do have a friend who uh, every week there's some person that he's cutting from his friends and he's somebody did something very bad to him. And I'm wondering, but he obviously doesn't want any any advice or anything he just wants to vent but at the same time i'm thinking what is this guy doing that so many of his friends are betraying him it's like strange yeah yeah interesting so i don't know yeah i guess it's different how how the, any 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 mechanism could be used in a positive way or in a well, yeah. Sneaky way somehow. Every, I don't know. Every, anything. I, yeah. I think any part of human interaction can be done for good or ill, depending mm. on the intent of the person doing the action. Right, right. You know, I mean, when I was studying NLP, which is that neuro-linguistic programming develop, it, it kind of was in between EST and life line life something i don't know oh it, okay you know i'm reading these things and can you describe it briefly because uh, i think it's hard. i it's hard you always hear about it but yeah you do it's it's how to use language it's it's how language is used to affect a certain outcome okay. in a conversation and 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 it's more than just spoken language or written language it it takes into account all the nonverbal communication that goes on in a face-to-face -face interaction. And it, it has to do with 
people, how people are processing their main sensory mode. Like I think most of the human race is visually centered and fewer people are auditorially centered. Yes. And, and there's ways you could tell, like you would hear, like they're saying, oh, that sounds good to me. Or yes, I see that. So that's an example of an auditory or a visual. There's example. also been studies that uh, like 80% of the communication is nonverbal. Yeah, there's that too. And and it's also and it and it also feeds into like how you can tell if you're in rapport with with a person or a group you're of people sitting the same way and you know? Yeah, or you move if you if you shift your body position, how many other people will shift at the same time, the same way and it's like, okay, those guys are in rapport with you. You know, that's this. It's all that kind of shit. Modeling, I and, think they call it. And as you, as I read through all of the all of the information about it, especially when it when they were talking about using it in in like sales situations, and you're you're reading all of this, you're saying, "Wow, you could use this to really manipulate people if you wanted." I mean, it 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 could it has the potential to be very very. So it goes bad. from conflict resolution into persuasion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it also, as I was, I was taking this class when I first met the man who ended up being my husband and we were on, I think our second or third date and he took me to a friend's house and I know we're getting a little off topic here, but this, it's a good story. Um, and, and he took me to this friend's house. I didn't know this guy. He's like been friends with him for forever. And they're in this very intense animated conversation and I'm feeling a little left out. And I had just learned about the modeling, th the the rapport and modeling thing. So I shifted my position, and he he's still talking to the guy, but he completely mirrored me. You know, he's sitting next to me. He's not even really looking at me, and he's talking to this other guy. And I went, I like, I like leaned back and I crossed my legs, and he leaned back and crossed his legs. I go, okay, he's even though he's not acting like he's paying attention to me, he's paying attention to me. Mm. So that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's I did a test and he passed so you know <laughs> so how do you feel so you feel like you're communicating more in ask culture now I'm trying to deliberately be more asking instead of guessing because it's mm -hmm. a lot less frustrating I'll tell you that <laughs> Because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I keep using the dishes in the sink and that's not, we have never thought about dishes in the sink ever. <laughs> so, but, you know, the other, other things that I might, I might want him to do for me or, or just do a chore or something like that. Um, it's a lot less frustrating to ask than to just say, ah, you know, I think I smell cat pee or something mm -hmm. like that, you know, and, and. It, it then and then if nothing happens like like an hour will go by and I'm going hmm hmm and I start getting mad and then then I'll just yell something so it's way better it it it, it keeps yeah. my blood pressure down to ask I think I think he appreciates it because there's less I mean there's less emotional labor in the entire communication and relationship when you do that and he yeah. doesn't have to be a mind reader. No. And that's, yeah, I call it emotional labor, but yeah, that's mind reading. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to get better about asking for companionship and connection. Like if I really want to stay in better touch with someone to really make, try to make that happen. 
because I think uh, it's easy as an introvert to just not think about those things or just sort of let it, let it go. And then it's like been way too long before, before you've talked to someone or in this case, Zoom with someone because, you know, we're not in the same room with people these days for the most part or whatever. And it's be learning to be proactive and asking for things is part of what I've been doing in yeah. the last, you know, couple of years, really even. And it's, um, and especially this year, you know, because it takes extra effort to think about even when, when you're not even thinking about going outside of your house, <laughs> that's not, it becomes a really unhealthy to really have no connection or companionship. And so that's been a thing. And I think I'm really blessed to be in community, like sort of greater community with people who are very focused on communication and even down to being able to, you know, proposition people with a very interesting scenario you might to like to have happen and they may <laughs> you know and and being okay with no and being okay with yes or being okay with maybe we can do something else together or something <laughs> like that you know but but that's you know i think that's really important and it's and it's cool to to know people that are focused on that you know whether it's and it i'm giving like a goofy you know sexy scenario but also yeah professional you know like learning to step up and ask about people we might want to have on the show or work that I might want to do with someone or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. it, it, I think it helps me to learn how to be more collaborative and that cool. feels like a healthy yeah. development. And I still, I still also know that I don't speak up enough sometimes. Like, I think it's more like if something's happening that I don't want, it's harder to say that. So that's my, that's my weak point right now but oh it's a lot of people's weak point because it's yeah. those are hard conversations to have mm. yeah yeah it's an interesting it's a good thing to keep closer to the front of mind how to speak up and 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 uh yeah i like ask i like ask culture i, I think too. that is my my yeah so anyway yeah so uh so think about how how that might affect you guys in your own lives and uh, and talk to us. We're asking. We're asking. We're asking. <laughs> you know, no, it's Wendy talk saying, "Boy, no one ever no one ever emails us <laughs> or posts on our Facebook page." Yeah, nobody ever <laughs> awesome. You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Thomas Limoncelli. Web hosting by InMotion. And remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash leftscape. Thanks for listening.